Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to Buy or Sell What the Hell with Jason Jenkins, Alex Z, and D. JJ began his career at Charles Schwab as a trader in the equity and options markets before moving to the sell side to trade fixed income at V Finance, JBB Financial, and CG Capital. With over a decade of experience in trading U.S. Treasuries and building out institutional analysis, he covered all the primary dealers, large buy-side money managers, and hedge funds. And now, he's applying his expertise to the cryptocurrency markets. Do you buy or do you sell? And welcome back, everyone. Another edition, another episode, April 25th. Um, yeah, coming at you guys here. We've had a pretty good rally in BTC this last week and two weeks. Prices was as high as 9,700 on, on GDAX this morning. We're hanging out at 9010. Alec and uh, Alec and Dimitri, you guys make any moves today? I sold a little bit of Bitcoin. <laughs> Just a tiny amount. Sold a little bit. <clears throat> Not even like something that you guys probably laugh at. It was like five hundred dollars worth, and I sold it into Ether because I'm gonna sell that into Funfair. Uh, Hashtag not investing advice. <laughs> I was uh, I was buying a little bit of Ethereum and Bitcoin alongside you this morning. Yeah, we nibbled a little bit here day trade. We'll see. <clears throat> we talked about. Just, just so our listeners know, um, we we kind of upped our overall long positions and took down a lot of cash. I guess the day we had the big short squeeze, I think it was a Wednesday, April 12th, so about 10, a little over 10 days ago. And it's been a good rally since then. Uh, the daily cycle is pretty high, so we raised a decent amount of cash, took some profits on pretty much across the board, so we you know, we added the Bitcoin, Ethereum, Monero, Dash. We were pretty heavy on Cardano on the lows and salt and took about half of all that off here. It plays out lower. Um, but just for like a near-term bounce, you know, two, three hundred points, we nibbled a little bit this morning. But the, that definitely a tone shift. I mean, uh, I've been hearing a lot of, a lot of big players looking for uh, – Big blocks to buy. They all want to do it outside the exchanges, trying to just seems like a lot of big players are the appetites back. I mean, if yeah. you guys are feeling the same, we kind yeah. of talked about that a little bit last week. Yeah, I think uh, I think everyone's looking to get back in. I think that was kind of the signal, kind of get everyone's attention. People are kind of sitting on the sidelines watching, and then they see a rally like that. They see a little dip, and it's time to uh, time to get involved. Time to chase. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to work up a lexicon here, Jason. Is it so? There's nibbling. There's dip in the toe. There's um. What'd you say that one time? Dead ass high. <laughs> um. Who knows? <clears throat> make a make a dictionary. Yeah. JJ JJ's trading terms. JJ's retarded trading terms. <laughs> Take a nibble. Dip the toe. 
Um, so I guess I nibbled this morning. Um, All right. Took a little bit off, but I'm trying to I'm trying to build a currently trying to build a nice little bag in Funfair. Okay. Okay. Um, we, tr- we traded that one around a little bit. I haven't looked at that chart in a while. They're doing some some big things on the tech side, and I think that uh, it could be one of those stories one day. We're like, what 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 is dollar sign fun? Where's that coming from? <laughs> know that if that happens, and I'm a happy man. So it's still, um, that symbol stole fun, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see. I don't have a chart versus the dollar. I'm looking around right now versus BTC. It's probably. Uh, that's had a big move, so it's about eighty percent down from the highs too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's something a bloodbath. I think something that could be pretty useful for whoever's listening is that we keep talking about all these different coins we're trading and projects, but we never really talk about how we decide which ones we're getting involved with. I know we got a, kind of a process in the background here before you start taking positions, right? <laughs> Yeah, you mean constructing a portfolio, Alec? Is yeah, it? pretty much. Just trying yeah. to build a solid one. Yeah, there's you know, there's lots to kind of take into account. Um, but you do kind of want to get down to a process. I mean, for me, it's more about the risk management. So, you know, how you work your cash with inside your portfolio has is, is pretty key. I mean, when you have big rallies and you have a, a pretty good run – you know, the more cash you raise and the longer you can kind of sit on that cash when you have a pretty good intermediate term pullback, then that gives you a chance to reload at lower levels. Um, if you get, if you get fully invested too early, then you kind of, you kind of sideline yourself and you're kind of stuck holding and waiting. Um, so there's a, there's a balance and there's an art to that, but you know, I, I think we just try to obviously stay with the, the bigger caps or the, um, the more well-known or more established coins for the most part, um, mm-hmm. you know, you can get crazy trying to, you know, trying to find every little project that looks promising. And sometimes, I don't know, some of, some of these traders come in, they have like 30 altcoins and I, I don't know how they manage that. I mean, it's tough for me to do like three things at once, mm-hmm. let alone try to track 30 altcoins, but I kind of try to think in terms of 80-20. So if I'm going to get, you know, 80% of my results, probably going to come from the top 20 coins as far as uh, they're going to have the most liquidity, they're going to be the most traded. So I try to keep 80% of my my plays or my portfolios or the coins I like or the projects in the the larger names. And then, you know, take 20%, maybe go for the, you know, for the the ones that might have, there are smaller cap names, a little bit more risk, but maybe have the bigger, you know, 10x, who knows, in the space, 100x type mm-hmm. moves. It was a little Pareto principle. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, it's, is that what it's called? I don't know. It's been a yeah, while the since old, I was in school. Uh, old Pareto guy. 80% of your results come from the top 20% of the things you can use it in lots of things in life it just makes a lot of sense yeah yeah and we do that with our size too you know we want to we try to teach our guys to trade trade with the trend 80 percent of the time it's easier to trade with the trend right and then you want to put most of your capital 
80% of the time with the, with the trend, your bigger size, you want to trade with the trend. And yep. so I, I kind of think the same way about the portfolio. I don't know, Alec, you, you probably have other ideas about how you structure yours. No, I mean, that, I think that makes sense. I think within those top 20 or 30 projects you got going on, I think you can kind of split it up. So we have our, you know, core holdings. We have like a few privacy specific coins we're looking at. Then we have a few that are trying to be a little more innovative, like IOTA, Rail, Railbox. And then you have like the enterprise ones, mm-hmm. like Walton, Request. I kind of like like thinking about it where you have all these different sectors because eventually yeah. these are going to be more fleshed out, the sectors. Right now, it's kind of all jumbled up. You know, top 20 has, you know, it's all disproportional right now, but eventually they're going to get shaken out and there's going to be clear winners for each of the sectors. Mm-hmm. So I think you kind of got to split it up because each sector does have a lot of potential, you know. Yeah, I'm no, sure. that's a great way to think of it. And, you know, we want to do some more work as far as services around helping people realize, okay, this, this coin kind of falls in the currency category. Okay. This, this coin is really, you know, all about the project or a company that's trying to make money. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to kind of take a look at who's, who's in the space. That's really actually making, making money. Uh, it'd be nice to kind of put together, look at some projects and if we could see who's making what mm-hmm. it would be helpful. Yeah. Some of these platforms that yeah. are already starting to pump out some, and capital. Yeah, there's a lot of people launching the mainnet in the last three months. That looks good on Ether. Yeah, it does. But um, I don't know. I guess me personally, I like to go for. I'm. I don't think you guys know me as being an inside of the box thinker. <laughs> so um, I like to look at the whys and then the hows. Like, why are they building that token? What problem are they trying to solve exactly? Mm-hmm. Is it worth? solving at all like if somebody's like i'm building a token so people don't have to get off the couch to turn off the lights i'm like you're wasting your life <laughs> you know but if somebody like like bitcoin is probably heaviest in my portfolio other than sorry take that back either but bitcoin and ether because bitcoin's trying to solve the money problem which humanity is constantly trying to solve it's a pretty big problem mm-hmm. we run into it often Sound currency is a big deal. And then Ether is, you know, a world computer sounds scary because if you've ever seen the Terminator, obviously it's going to be a battle. But <laughs> there's all this computation that goes unused. If anybody right now hit Control-Alt-Escape and you saw that you're only using 5% of your your processor and you're doing all of these things, like if you add up all that processing across the globe, you know, what kind of problems could we solve if we were putting that much computation to work? Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge, huge problem. And then the secondly is the how. You know, like um, some projects are just trying to solve simple problems, like give you your browser back. Um, and they're, the how they're going about it um, is also ties into where I you know, put my money. Mm-hmm. As far as trading, I listen to you, JJ. but for portfolio stuff um like longer term stuff i look at the why of a project yeah that makes sense because people get caught up and a lot of these are a lot of these top coins are really heavily marketed and Mm -hmm. i have people don't stop to really think about why they don't stop to really see how many buzzwords they're using in their paper 
and their website, or they don't really get a feel for the community online. You know, they just, they get caught up in the marketing and the hype. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't stop to question any of it. Yeah. And the simplicity of the problem also, like that's all, that goes with all kinds of things. Like Google, just three guys are sitting around and they're like, you know what? It's hard to do. Find stuff on the internet. We should make it easier. Boom. <laughs> and now look at Google. Yeah. You know, so if they can articulate the problem that they're trying to solve and how they're solving it, that's how I look at See, that's exactly one of the reasons why I'm a little iffy on EOS. I haven't, I don't have a very big position in it for, for kind of that same reason where you just said they're simple, a simple, you know, thing they're trying to fix or the solution where EOS's slogans pretty much were changing everything. Everything's <laughs> not going to be the same as it used to be. I mean, that's literally what Brock Pierce said about it, right? We're changing everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, decentralize everything. All right. That's why I just can't get one. You can't decentralize everything, too. I just, I don't know. It's it's probably easy to trade EOS because um, it moves around a lot. But, yeah. No. No. I'm yeah, not. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with trading it around. You know, I've been adding and reducing along with you, Jason. Made some decent money on it. But long-term holding, though, is what I'm kind of talking about before we go into the news i mean let's just be clear you can't decentralize everything (laughs) go ahead go ahead yeah i don't think it gets into like a philosophical point like if everything cycles you can't just go one way in one direction you know you're never gonna have everybody agree on everything it's a yin yang positive negative you know Mm -hmm. there's just no and so the more you decentralize something, the more eventually it com- comes back to some sort of centralization. I mean, you just can't, whether you're talking about consensus or voting or who controls the capital. I mean, it's like we were talking the other day about these over-the-counter trades that that's kind of developed. And, you know, Dimitrik, you said, well, why you, these guys are, you know, you have a seller of Bitcoin of a big block and somebody wants to buy, but the blockchain is supposed to be able to tr- create this trustless environment where you don't need somebody in an escrow, but all these trades are taking place because <laughs> it's like you're trading, you're trading blockchain, you're trading Bitcoin, but you're still using a, a custodian and an escrow because you're dealing with dollars and you, you know, you can't trust the other party. What are you going to do? Just going to send a thousand BTC to somebody you've never even talked to and hope they send you, send you currency or in return. I mean, it's, it, it's, it starts out like that, but then it ends up kind of getting centralized back in some fashion. I don't think it's all or none. The answer is kind of always in the middle. I think we should, uh, I think we should have a whole show on that because I think people are a little too quick to throw away the old and just replace it with something experimental and new. And where there are some services that just make sense in the traditional. Yeah. It's just not all or none. We should kind of, kind of dive into that a little bit. When when is centralized okay? When is decentralized better? It'd be good to kind of outline some of that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the community is pretty libertarian about central banking, and 
what's the problem that's happened is the central banks just the whole design of how they started we've got totally moved away from and so we used to not have a central bank well guess what developed we had banking crisis because the capital flows <clears throat> if if there was a crisis in energy part part of the economy or vice versa if, uh there was a banking crisis in the eastern part of just talking about the US the capital flows would change like you'll have some parts of the economy doing well and then you know if commodities go down that tends to that part of the the, the economy suffers and but the capital flows will move around well we they designed the central bank to help step in to provide that liquidity to the local banks and um and originally it was only designed to buy corporate paper well that that actually directly puts capital into the system because you're lending to the companies. Well, now classic government takes over and says, Hey, we get to fund these wars. Now we're only going to sell government paper and they never change the system back. So now when the economy and these local banks really need the capital, the fed doesn't, you know, you got to buy treasury bonds. Well, that just gives money to the central government. So, it tends to be the same, you know, you cycle away from it, you come back to, you know, I guess you could even say even revolutions start the same way, right? You completely decentralize where, you know, you don't want any big government, local communities want to take care of themselves. And then over time, it starts to become more and more and more central and federalized. And, you know, mm-hmm. then you have it, then you have the government gets so corrupt and so out of control and goes bankrupt. You have a tax revolt and then you start the whole revolutionary cycle over again. Mm. We're getting deep on today's show. That's we should do more morning recordings. <laughs> Get some nice warm coffee. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's talk about some stuff that was in the news. So yesterday, this guy named John Pfeiffer, um, of some relation to Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, he went on CNBC's Fast Money and he said that Bitcoin's going to be no less than 90K and potentially as high as $700,000 per. High hopes for this guy. Uh, so, and he said his low bar is, is because it could become equal to the private gold bullion holdings, $1.5 trillion, you know, compared to $150 billion. I mean that. I mean he's got a strong point. Yeah, that's like, the that's the stuff we hit on on our episode, right? Yeah, like last week we hit on that, and I just kind of wanted to reharp um, and ask you guys after I read this guy's quote. It's pretty good. Gold, frankly, is rather silly. Mm, strong. We're a spacefaring digital society, and we're still using a yellow metal as our non-sovereign store of value. At some point, we're going to come up with a better technology to do that, and Bitcoin is the first candidate. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, well, I guess I got JJ's vote. Alec, what do you think? Gold versus Bitcoin. Who wins in the octagon? I mean, I don't even... <laughs> I, I think we're kind of past trying to say why Bitcoin is as good as gold. I mean, it's clearly better. I, mm. I mean, it's Bitcoin. You could trade it with anyone in the world nearly instantly with with the same security as handing someone gold that's directly in front of you. No middlemen. I mean, it's probably even more secure because gold, you have to get tested by a third party. I mean, I don't understand. If you don't understand Bitcoin, then yeah, I can see 
you trying to make an argument, but mm. this is probably the wrong show to ask people if they think gold yeah. versus Bitcoin. Oh, I think so. I think it's I think it's been hit so many times, and I think, I think it's kind of obvious. I I think the uh, the one hometown rink that it's not going to do so well in, or the the octagon that really would uh, <laughs> uh, would really mess Bitcoin up a lot, is if. Uh, the infrastructure goes out. I mean, you kind of you kind of need electricity. You need the internet. Otherwise, you don't have you know, like Bitcoin just goes poof. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> yeah, that is true. That's like the that's the the ultimate scenario. And- Mad Max scenario. Everything collapses. You know, Korea shoots off a uh, what's the name of it? Electro electromagnetic pulse. Yeah, and the whole the whole grid goes down. Mm. <laughs> You're standing really there with your ledger. With like, what am I gonna do with a ledger? <laughs> I mean, throw it at someone. I don't think I don't think anyone's really saying that Bitcoin is going to replace gold. I think it's just saying that it could have the same sort of use case, you know, alongside it. Yeah. A, a digital gold that's that's better, but it doesn't mean that the old gold will go away. Yeah. Again, if it's not, I don't think it's all or none. I mean, no. you get into some sort of, you get in really, you know, those war cycles picks up. You have a really bad natural disaster. Anything, mm-hmm. anything like that. I mean, that really, that big time crisis like that, gold's people are going to recognize gold. You know. Yeah, but you won't. Uh, you, you can you make the case about guns and food. Same thing, you know. I'm not gonna barter with guns and ammo. A little bit easier than, you know. Yeah, but you won't see headlines saying, "Oh, well, it's not all or one." I mean, it's not all or one. It's uh, Bitcoin yeah. and gold. Or yeah, they're not even competition. All right, nothing. New. <laughs> like it's gonna be. Well, Bitcoin's gonna replace gold, or is gold even, you know, worth anything anymore? Yeah. Yeah, I. No. You're not going to be quoted by saying that, you know, it's not all or one. Yeah. Right. You it's, won't get quoted for that. I mean, when we're going to the stars, you're probably going to be bringing your Bitcoin with you instead of a big suitcase of gold bullion. But just saying, you might want to bring one gold bullion bar. We'll see. If you would have just cut off right there, that would have been a good headline. But see, <laughs> now you said, well, also gold. <laughs> What if NASA gets their dream and they're mining asteroids and they find a big, pretty gold asteroid? What happens to the value of your gold back home when they bring those hundreds oh, yeah. of thousands of tons back? A lot of supply. Yeah, because they're scientists and they could do that. So, mm-hmm. no I'm kidding. I, I don't know what they do at NASA, but I do know that's one of their plans. I'm excited about that plan. Um, I'm just saying. Like, I think I think any space thing's exciting. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. It's coming back around. Thank you, could, Elon Musk. You're doing anything in space, and I'm excited about it. We're making it cool again. He's making space cool again. It took <laughs> Elon Musk in a in a pseudo warm war with Russia again. So that's that's what Russia's good for. They get excited about leaving the planet. It's like God, you guys suck so much. We just don't want to be here. <laughs> we don't even want to be here anymore. I'm kidding. I know lots of Russians. I know two of them. Sorry, I know you guys, two uh, you guys watch uh, Vice News? Um, on HBO? The one on HBO? Vitalik? Yeah. You talking about Vitalik? Yeah, yeah, I just watched that last week. It was good. They were the whole thing about Russia and them trying to take uh, 
spot for the blockchain capital? Um, I don't see why they wouldn't try. You know, it's one, I think Vitalik is I'm impressed with Vitalik's um growth in this industry. Like he's really coming along. And uh, he handled that, that interview very well. Oh. So um I know he's on our list because anytime you're signing deals with Russian banks, you you pretty much get put on a list instantaneously. So, um, but um, it was a good interview. If you guys haven't checked it out, go on HBO Vice News. Uh, use your HBO Go account from your second cousin and hop on there and, and look at it. Well, you should have one already because Westworld is on HBO. <laughs> Careful now. We're going off the rails. <laughs> Talk about favorite shows and stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Westworld's back, by the way. Um, okay, so more news. Mew, there was a Mew hacking, right? So we should probably talk security a little bit. And it was a simple DNS, man-in-the-middle reroute kind of attack. You thought you were going to my Ether wallet, and instead you ended up going to some pirate's uh, cave with a my Ether wallet poster on the front, and he stole your stuff. That's pretty much it. I mean, there's really no way. Honestly, everyone that was stolen from, I don't know if there was a way to see it coming. It was I only a hundred. How much was it? One hundred fifty thousand. I don't know. I'm always amazed how they they backtrack and figure out these numbers. I mean, I think you were fine if you used a cold storage, though. I mean, that's kind of a lesson. Cold storage or hardware? Uh, hardware, sorry. Yeah, if you use a hardware wallet, you're probably good to go. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't use a hardware wallet and you, I don't know, um, use one of the six different ways that they... Um, allow you to log in that isn't a hardware wallet, you maybe got got. So, um, that's just, you know, one of the things that the space that sucks is that we're such on the bleeding edge is that we have to fend off the pirates for everyone else. Like, no one, anybody who's chilling, you know, just watching 401k grow, uh, paying on that social security, going to Bank of America twice a month to, you know, like they don't have to worry about this stuff because the infrastructure is there for them to like, just be a GPP general mm-hmm. purpose person. But mm-hmm. for this stuff, you know, I know you guys use YubiKeys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got two factor authentication on my two factor authentication. So <laughs> no, that'd be funny though. I'd like two cell phones. Uh, so we're braving these waters and learning all these lessons for everyone. See, that that's another lesson for you guys listening. If you don't have a hardware wallet, you probably have enough money to have a hardware wallet if you're into crypto. Just saying. I mean, the price just went up, what, 10% in the last two weeks? Yeah, more than that. But, <clears throat> yeah, you're right. It's, I mean, that's the thing, too, is it's... That's kind of a role we're, we're trying to do. Probably need to do a better job of it is educating people on how to get started. And I mean, I, my Ether wallet is 
way more complicated than it needs to be. I mean, just trying to figure out what the hell to do when you get first get on there. It's like, what? Are, I know there's a lot of smart people working on stuff, but it needs to be way more simple. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it right now, if you want to be involved, it takes it just takes common sense to really take your time and educate yourself. Because, for instance, for them, you for them, you hack. I mean, they changed it. But also when you're at, when people accessed that changed uh, the, the, the DNS attack, uh, there was a big red warning on your browser that said security certificate is not valid. And mm-hmm. people didn't pay attention or ignored it, and they still accessed their, their accounts on it. Mm-hmm. So that, that does mean that it does take some common sense to pay attention to the URL, just pretty much go through a checklist mm-hmm. every time you're going to access it. Yeah. Yep. Standard security stuff. Mm-hmm. Sending a transaction, look at the first four and the last four of the address and make sure you're sending it to the right address. Um, there's lots of tips we could be tossing out. Um, use a hardware wallet. Use a hardware wallet. If, you, if you're bored, all right, and this is for the extremers out there. There's a lot of you extremers. You finished your honey-do list last week. Wife went out of town. She didn't build a new one yet. You got a Saturday to yourself. Build a cold wallet. It's not a it's not a straightforward process, but there's many guides on both YouTube and on Reddit on how to build a cold wallet. And if there's money, crypto, you know you're never going to touch for a long time, maybe until the kids go to college, throw it in that cold wallet. No one will ever be able to touch it ever. So it's a nice little side project for you guys listening. Yeah, that's good. But while we are um, talking about security, for those of you listening in D.C., which we know it's a sizable amount, this Saturday, the 28th, from 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., a good long time, there's a cybersecurity workshop for you guys uh, put on by the D.C. Crypto Club. Just listen to this agenda. Uh, so the first, like, 15 minutes is networking, of course, but then there's a presentation on how to secure yourself in a world where cryptocurrency exists. Then there's going to be several breakout sessions and a panel from 1.30 to 2.15 by Andrew Morris, John Cathern, and Carthern, I'm sorry, and our own Dr. Corey Petty uh, will be on that panel as well. Um, And they're just going to be giving you guys some, some nuggets of wisdom on how to secure yourself in this crypto world so you know and i think that kind of brings up a point where we were talking about earlier back to the security thing where with this hack is that i mean the average person can't be expected to to know that kind of thing which they should if they're in the space but that kind of just shows how long we are away from adoption and the infrastructure that we need and it kind of shows why uh, why banks are kind of useful i mean people that money wasn't insured by anyone Everyone lost. Yeah, for sure. Well, do we have any more news we want to go into? There's one more point that we could discuss. Let's hear it. Yeah, go for it. All right. This is going to make us look bad because we're Americans. And it's going to make us look bad because our adoption game is so low compared to our, our Asian brethren. In South Korea. Um, 
so just like I don't know if you guys know this audience listening, but if you look at like pictures of people walking downtown and like. Tokyo or some in like Seoul, Korea, like you see crypto tickers on the digital billboards. Like you see Bitcoin, you see Ether, you'll see Ethereum Classic, you'll see Bat, you'll see uh, Tron. Like you'll see all of these coins up there, and they'll be red or they'll be green. And people are just walking past this, just part of their day. <laughs> you know, they have digital wallets. They have places where you go in, and there's kiosks full of women. And they're like, hey, you want to buy some crypto? We're going to help you out. Come on in here. We're going to get you all set up with a wallet, blah, blah, blah. There's even one app that's trying to just, there's one bank trying to just tie it. It's basically trying to be Coinbase. Like, here's your bank, and then here's your crypto accounts right next to it. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I'm discussing all this is because recently, one of their largest telecom providers uh, said that they're going to announce some blockchain service. For asset management. So like in your, imagine you're looking in your AT&T. Uh, all right, I got a bill coming up. I'm going to pay that broadband internet fee. And then below that, your crypto accounts are going to be in there. So they're going to allow you to manage your crypto accounts through your, through your telecom service provider. So I, I don't know if you guys know this. We were talking about it briefly before the show. So I know you guys know it, but the audience is that like if the telecom providers, you know, if the telecom industry is not on board with this crypto thing, meaning they're not incentivized to participate, then they're just not gonna let it happen because they control the internet. So, um, how I guess it sparks conversation is like we don't have a lot of telecom industries here like they do in Korea, right, Alec? No, South Korea has the fastest average internet connection speed. And that yeah. is due to competition. Yeah, there's a lot of telecom providers over there. And so I think a case like this is just evidence to that. Like they're trying to get an edge on their competition. Like, you know what? We're providing blockchain solutions for people. What now? But here in the States, there's like four telecom. Like, what? There's Time Warner. Do they even count? AT&T, Verizon, there's not a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, that's kind of just what happens. And I mean, a few of these larger people, they, it's, a, it's a monopoly, clearly. And there's no incentive for them to improve speeds. There's no incentive for them to improve anything. Where, I mean, I think the South Korean government, I, I remember reading this about this before, is that they had a whole plan about how they were going to connect everyone on you know, to the internet, the government themselves pushed internet connections. Everyone should have a personal computer connection to the internet. And they put laws and regulations in place to make sure that it was a fair and open marketplace for competition. So these, these people see how popular now these uh, telecom services see how popular blockchain and crypto is. And it's such a close competition that, that they see that as an edge now. That's yep. smart of them. I mean, yeah. that's what I would be doing. I wish our I wish smart. our businesses would think like that, like just a little more progressive and not so much. I I feel like we're so risk averse and we're not willing to think about the reward at all when it comes to stuff like this in America. I think some some of these places just do so well that there's no reason to risk anything. That's a solid yeah. point. <clears throat> 
So to kind of help this make sense for you guys listening is that like this old net neutrality thing that went down last year um, is like basically you've got Verizon saying, hey, Netflix, we're ba- we basically built the infrastructure for you to profit off of. What the hell, man? And so we're going to start controlling that infrastructure a little bit. And if there's millions of people watching uh, Orange is the New Black but like five people go into um, statusapp.com, well, we're going to try and drive that traffic to Orange is the New Black and maybe make maybe decide how we see how we get paid. <laughs> and so that's part of the problem there. And, and why this ties in the crypto? Go ahead, out. No, I was going to say also them trying to, you know, censor something like that or have them pay even though the American people paid for subsidized for that infrastructure to be built that these private companies are profiting from. And Mm -hmm. I think it's an important point to make that all this was subsidized. The infrastructure for the internet was subsidized by the American people. Mm -hmm. We, we have power in our pockets, ladies and gents, but then um, talking about talking about money. Um, But then you take that a step further into crypto, right? Do we really feel like the huge telecom uh, providers, telecommunication providers are going to allow for these edge case decentralized applications to be sending and receiving uh, millions upon millions of messages on the edge of the infrastructure? Like, no, they're going to be like, kick rocks, man. What what incentive do we have to build out infrastructure for that? We're not going to go build all these wireless towers for you scrubs. You better pay us. Like, there's got to be some sort of structure aligned with those guys, or it's just not physically, like physics, going to be possible to support all these decentralized applications. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was very interesting to speak to, and hats off to South Korea for leading the adoption game uh, for the past, what, 18 months now. Yeah. So. And I'm going to plug one site at the end here. If you do care about what we just said, go to battleforthenet.com if you want to take action. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, pretty much you go sign up for, you know, because the FCC is going to be voted voting again, I think. It's not final yet, so net neutrality is not officially dead. Uh, the FCC yeah. repeal has not gone to full effect, so it's going to be voted on again. Yeah, we need... We need the, FCC, the FCC is trying to play internet cop now yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. securities and exchange commission has the regulatory authority to turn the internet on and off well it makes perfect sense mm-hmm. no 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 not the sec no F- F- FCC. fcc sorry oh, okay. fcc fcc um, that would be funny though it would just it would be even more gleaning i think the most gleaning thing that um event that let us know our government has no clue what world we're living in was that Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> they were like, so what is logging in? <laughs> what is actually happening when I push the button? <laughs> He's like, are you fucking serious? And it is like, <laughs> how do you, how do you fit all your workers inside these small TVs, these small computer screens? The screens keep getting smaller and smaller. How do you get, how do you get your people to fit in between? I mean, my new laptop doesn't even have a USB port, so I, I'm 
you know, I can't even stare inside my computer and see who's in there. I mean, <laughs> I mean the internet's only a series of tubes, right? <laughs> One senator got real specific. What happened to my wall? There used to be a wall. I put messages on it, and it just just went away. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> All right, we should probably start wrapping this up. So, All right. um, good show, guys. Uh... Well, I want to plug us a little bit. Okay. Get Google <clears throat> Shillington. So, if you guys like the conversation we're having here, uh, but you want a really more focused trading conversation, especially trading cryptos, then you should join our crypto team. It's $99 a month, uh, but you're surrounded with 147 other traders um, that are basically posting charts all day, talking strategies all day. You're going to get introduced to tokens you weren't thinking about. JJ pops in daily with real time alerts. Uh, that say things like, now would probably be a good time to uh, dip the toe. Uh, or, <laughs> I'm kidding. But you're going to yeah. get real-time alerts. Um, and you also get to discuss the, the trading model that JJ himself built up. Um, also, if you're unsure on the $99 a month, but you want to get a feel for what it's like to be surrounded by traders all day, there is a free trading channel as well, Trading Talk. It's got 1,018 members in it strong right now, and it's not just crypto, but trading pretty much anything that's tradable, except for Beanie Babies. I don't think they go there. Um, what else? No, it's good. Yeah, currently we have that, that invite to that room. It's at JenkinsRM.com. That was the, my older company I built, so we do a lot of our educational stuff there. It's www.jenkinsrm.com. You'll see the chat room that D is talking about on the top right. Yep. Got the links in the show notes. And um, that's it, guys. We're wrapping it up. All right. Great show. We'll talk to you.
Thank <laughs> you.